It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. Instafford! Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. Instafford! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders. And now, here's J.D. the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show here as we roll on on a very, very busy day as the Niners are coming to town. Uh, The 49ers will be here for practices on Thursday and Friday. They'll play the Raiders on Sunday. That means they'll be in Vegas for quite some time in the heat. And the Niners are probably looking to get a lot of work done. And the Raiders are going to get a lot of work done. Josh McDaniels versus Kyle Shanahan. Uh, two of the best offensive minds in all of football, no matter what you think and I think. Let me, let me get that in for a second. We all have opinions, and they're all welcome on this show. Okay, Whatever you think, you're welcome to call in. You can't debate Josh McDaniel's six Super Bowls and Kyle Shanahan's success as an offensive mind in this league. Okay, They're fine. They can handle all the criticism from fans and all of that. You might not love them both. Kyle Shanahan is not loved by everybody in the Bay Area. But when you take a look at this, and it's hour number two of the show as we begin, when you look at the history of this team and what the Raiders have as a play caller and what the Niners have as a play caller, these are two of the best of the last 20 years. And they have some pretty good weapons. Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Josh Jacobs, Michael Mayer, Brandon Ayuk. Oh, my God. Do you understand what this Debo Samuels can do? I got Devontae better than Debo. But Debo can play running back at the level of, not Josh Jacobs, but you want to give the ball to Debo Samuel on third and two, it's a first down every bleeping time. He's a great player. And George Kittle, uh, I got a, a, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, they're, they're a bit much for me. Kittle's a hell of a player. And the Raiders have proven that they can't guard Kelsey. They can't. I hope they can this year. I hope they can this year, but they haven't been able to guard him in the past. Uh, I want to get to how they got to guard Kittle. There's a great opportunity for Luke Masterson, Divine Diablo, and Robert Spillane. You're going up against George Kittle. George Kittle can block. He runs routes. He catches the ball. Uh, This would be good for Epps and Trayvon Merrick because the Niners' passing game is strong. Now, Kyle Purdy, they're going to have him out there. I'm not a big Purdy guy. I know he had a good year last year, but I don't drink the Kool-Aid of a seventh-round pick. Mr. Irrelevant. I don't say, oh my God, they found their guy. Can you imagine how stupid you would sound if you said that the Niners now found their quarterback forever the way they found Steve Young and Joe Montana and Kyle Purdy? I mean, Purdy's good. He proved he was really good and composed as a rookie. What makes you believe he's going to be great in year two? Mac Jones, once he left Josh McDaniels, wasn't great year two. But Kyle Shanahan seems like he's got the quarterback that he wants to mold. Okay, now it's time for my Raiders all-time team. Here is who I have, a final list that I tweeted out at the quarterback position, all-time team at Raider Nation Radio, not affiliated with the Raiders, the team. Uh, Number one, Ken Stabler, the Hall of Famer, speaks for itself, the architect, the leader of the Raiders, Super Bowl XI, Snake. Next, Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett, two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, 
just the way he played in big games, leading the Raiders to their first Super Bowl as a wild card team, and then backing it up with Super Bowl 18. I don't know anybody who would argue that point, Jim Plunkett. Number two, at number three, I went with Daryl LaMonica. I went with LaMonica because of the massive winning percentage, the second highest winning percentage in NFL history behind Otto Graham. Raider 66 pointed that out yesterday. LaMonica's record from 67 to 74 in 95 games was 62, 16, and 6. 62 and 16. I don't know how he had six ties, man. I don't get that. I, you know, I'm sure there were unbelievable, iconic games, but that's LaMonica. I chose him barely over Gannon only because of his winning percentage. They played roughly the same amount of time. Uh, Rich Gannon, I had to choose between LaMonica and Gannon. I'll see Rich. I'm going out to dinner with Rich on Friday night, and Rich will laugh about this. I'll laugh about it. I could have put Gannon over LaMonica. I chose LaMonica because I just think LaMonica's run with the Raiders from the 67 team, the greatest AFL team, I believe, of all time, playing in the Super Bowl. And both those quarterbacks, LaMonica and Gannon, both lost the only Super Bowls that the Raiders lost. Uh, The second-tier group, I have Rich Gannon, Derek Carr, Tom Flores. Uh, Let me get to Tom Flores, who I had behind Derek Carr. Uh, Tom Flores is the first player to wear 15 for the Raiders. He started the very first Raiders game at quarterback. He appeared in 84 games with 64 starts, completed 810 passes for 1,640 on the attempts and 11,635 yards. Uh, Flores... Uh, you know, bigger legacy as a Hall of Fame coach, but Tom Flores definitely in that second tier when it comes to the quarterbacks, and I added George Blanda. So my list, my rules, I have Gannon, Carr, Flores, and Blanda because of the impact of uh, Blanda coming in relief in big games, trailing, and the comeback victories with his arm, with his foot. But Blanda had some high moments as a quarterback for the Silver and Black. My honorable mentions are Jeff Hostetler, Steve Berline, Jay Schrader, Vince Evans, David Hum. So those are the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Raider history. You can agree. You can disagree. You can tweet it out. You can retweet it. And that's it. Our summertime promotion of the Raiders all-time team is complete. Every position, every era. We named a lot of players that I don't know if we'll ever mention again. I don't. I don't know if I'll, be, I'll go that deep ever again on cornerbacks and safeties and defensive tackles where we named 10 or 12 or 14 of them. But, uh, you know, I take the alumni very seriously. Once a Raider, always a Raider, and we hope you enjoyed that. Raiders all-time team, we put a bow on it. Thanks for Bobby, everybody who participated, and the people who are listening behind the scenes that know how much help I needed with this. Thank you very much for that. Let's get out to your friendly neighborhood Raider man. Who's checking in? Raider man, ahead of the preseason, what's happening? What's going on, JT? I wasn't necessarily worried about catching your list. I knew you would have a fine one regardless. we got too many names in history to not have a wonderful list at the end of the line. But I definitely appreciate that whole little uh, package that you put together because that was not only highly entertaining, but it was highly educational. And even though my my guys won't make the list on my number because it doesn't necessarily mean anything to me, I'm going to throw out my names anyway because I I had LaMonica up top for winning percentage also. He came through that hard era, and he carried us into that first era of uh, uh, Just Win Baby. 
even though he didn't get over that pinnacle, that Super Bowl that he lost against the Packers. I mean, but who can who can say anything to do that lose a Super Bowl to the Packers, especially Super Bowl two, right? And then you got Flores, you got Plunkett. You know, he's Plunkett is the number one story in the NFL to me. I mean, just ahead of uh, Charles Woodson, but I mean, you know, Charles Woodson is an outstanding story too. And I mean, we got so many pinnacle stories throughout the history of the Raiders. We even got a new one coming in in uh, Zeus. Uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Jameer White, uh, running back. Yeah, I'm starting to get the name the name some of these kids, man, because I'm still stuck on JJ, and I hope that the situation will turn around with that kid, man. But no guts, no glory. I just got to get that out because that brother ushered in a serious era. You know, we were together for a lot of that stuff, but I, I heard that you were going out to dinner with him on Friday. And I just want to take a, sh- a shameless uh, just shout out, just saying what's up because I know he got to be listening, and uh, some of us really appreciate you, man, to the wheels fall off. So never forget it, Rich. You love here. And it was a special honorable mention for me with Jeff Hostel. Because Haas was our first Rich Gannon. You know, it was no guts, no glory, man. We needed to have that heartbeat in the middle of the, of the back of the line. And Haas came in and gave it the best shots that he could. You know, it was after that Giants era and whatnot, I think we missed the boat on Jim Fossil, too, during that time. Cause I think we had a Super Bowl in there that we missed. But that's none of my business. It's all water under the bridge. And DC4 deserves to be on the list. You know, it's an honorable mention thing, maybe at the bottom, only because he didn't have the wins. Uh, but the game changed. And, you know, and they made sure that the stats was a pinnacle thing in the league. That's what everybody loved. You know, just like the home runs. You know, girls like the long ball. And uh, everybody loved the touchdown. So it's hard to sneeze at a dude because he stepped up to the plate and he gave us the best that he had. I wish him the best, and you know, outside of when he playing us. But, uh, you know, outside of that, man, I just wanted to shout out the one and only number 19. Cotton Davidson, because I know if I didn't, nobody else would. And special shouts out to Todd Marinovich. They gave that dude so much crap, calling him Todd Marinovich and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Todd Marinovich ushered in the uh, what they call it the um, this YouTube era with the reality TV. He was the first real reality TV star because, unfortunately, you know, dad get ostracized for trying to do a good job. His dad had a plan. He tried to make Robo back uh, Robo uh, quarterback. It backfired in his face. But I appreciate all the efforts, and I love the man. So I just wanted to shout out, man, you know, Raiders till I die, and uh, see what I'm looking at you. I love to hear Raider Ope on your show one of these days, JT. I see what no I'm doubt. looking at you, brother. Yeah, we'll wait. Uh, maybe we'll wait for the regular season for the Raider Oath because I've heard it many times, and it fires everybody up. And I'd love to hear it from Raider Man, who's got a podcast dropping coming up here. So, yeah, Gannon or LaMonica, LaMonica or Gannon, Flores, Vince Evans. You know, Todd Marinovich came in as one of the more unique talents in NFL history and what he could have been with his upbringing from his dad Marv once a Raider always a Raider and it, it didn't work out you know I had to stop the list somewhere down the road there wasn't going to be no Jamarcus Russell Jeff George I didn't put Carson Palmer on the list I was there when Carson Palmer uh, got when the deal went down I tell that story mostly privately but I was at Al Davis's funeral and after that you know, the coach, Hugh, made the move to get Carson Palmer, and he did it on his own. It was kind of a rogue move at the time to bring in Carson Palmer, and Carson Palmer was a hell of a player at that time. I mean, he was one of the elite quarterbacks or close to being elite with elite talent. That's been trophy in his ability, and if he would have turned out to be a great player and a great Raider and didn't get banged up and it would have been a good fit, Carson Palmer, considering how late Brady played into his career and Aaron Rodgers played, Carson Palmer could have been the Raiders quarterback for six, seven, eight years at a very high level. He's 11th on the all-time Raiders passing list. He had 35 touchdowns. Kerry Collins had more. Kerry Collins had 41. Uh, Jay Schrader had 66. Jeff Hostetler had 69. 
Tom Flores had 92 touchdowns. Mark Wilson, 77. Jim Plunkett had 80. 80 touchdowns. LaMonica had 148. I mean, these numbers, and especially remember when, when LaMonica played, even though he was the mad bomber, there was a lot of handing off going on back then. Different era behind Highway 63 when that came about with Upshaw and Shell. They ran the ball a lot. And LaMonica, the mad bomber, made that name because he took that drop back and threw the ball deep. And it was a really impactful era for Raider football. And we didn't forget Derek Carr. We put Derek Carr on the list right behind Rich Gannon. Uh, Derek Carr is the only Raider quarterback to throw for over 20,000 yards. And he threw for 35,222. Derek Carr is the only Raider quarterback to throw for over 150 touchdowns. That was Stabler. Carr threw 217. Well, when you look back at the at the career of Derek Carr, uh, Derek Carr will be able to walk into the Raider facility as an alumni or walk into Allegiant Stadium with his chin held high. He played a lot of big games for the Raiders. He lost more than he won. Carr's career record really is what haunted him, 63-79. and 79. For Derek, all of it wasn't his fault, but he's the quarterback of the team. And when you're the quarterback of the team, you got to win games. And he had nine years to do it, and he won games that were really important. He won games that were very important for the Raiders, but not enough to get year 10, 12, 15, and the Raiders moved on with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's what we're doing now. We're moving on to practice and what we're going to be talking about the next couple of days here when we get into the Raiders and the matchup against the 49ers. Uh, what are some of you Raider fans concerned about? What are you concerned about with these practices? I think we're all in the same boat. We want to see the team healthy. We don't see anybody get hurt, but you can't predict injuries. So you got to be out there playing. Max is going to go at 100%. You want to have Max Crosby, Jimmy Garoppolo. You want all the players to come out of this healthy. Are they going to be banged up? Maybe. You know, are they going to go to the ground? Yeah. Are they going to tackle? Yes. But, you know, the ability not t- to tackle hard to the ground, not take a cheap shot. This is a controlled scrimmage, a controlled practice. You know, if a, if a receiver goes over the middle of the field, the opponent shouldn't be taking out a defenseless receiver. There'll be referees out there and officials. But I think both of these teams are going to get after it. I think they're going to get after it in a big way. And I'm hoping that the pads are popping, everybody has something to see, and everybody has something to talk about. And with that happening... You know, maybe the Raiders, it makes them better. I'm starting to see a little bit more of a a better Raider coverage the last couple of days. Albert Breer wrote a good column for Sports Illustrated on the improvement of the Raiders. I thought that was really good to see. I saw one of the morning shows on, and I think it was Good Morning Football. Uh, They spent some time, and they replayed part of Devontae's interview. And it was either Kyle Brandt or Peter Schrager. One of them came out of the break and said, yeah, the Raiders, the Raiders have a chance to sneak up on teams. Yeah, that's that's positive Raider coverage. But most of the coverage is pretty negative. And most of the coverage is from national media who don't think the Raiders are going to win any more than five or six games. And the Raiders need to win more than five or six games. They have to win more than six or seven games. There's too much talent on this team. The Raiders, according to the league, the players in the league, have three of the top 17 players in the league. Three at uh, Max Crosby at 17. I think Devontae at 13 and Josh at 12. That's pretty good. They got one of the best players in the league on defense and two of the best on offense. A lot of other teams can't say that. 
and the ability to bring in Epps at the safety position, Jacorian Bennett, as I'm putting my notes together for the broadcast on Sunday, Jacorian Bennett, his ability to possibly start the regular season, start the regular season at the cornerback position on the outside with Nate Hobbs in the slot, along with Marcus Peters. How does this sound, everybody? The Raiders open up the season at Denver. They break the huddle on defense, and your defensive secondary is this. Marcus Peters at corner, along with Jacorian Bennett. Nate Hobbs at slot. In the secondary at safety, Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick. I'll take that all day long compared to what this looked like last year. Last year, we didn't have Jacorian Bennett, a speed demon who's playing well. We didn't have Marcus Peters. Uh, We didn't have um, Epps at the safety position. We had Merrick, who reportedly is better than he was last year. And Nate Hobbs, not knowing that he has to go play on the outside and he can sit in the slot, I think makes Nate Hobbs a much better player and a more comfortable player. He got hit in the face with the softball. He looks to be ready to go now. They're bringing him along slowly, and he'll be good to go. My concerns with the Raiders are clearly the concerns you have. Can they get another linebacker on cutdown day? The entire league's going from 90 to 53. Do you know how many linebackers are going to get cut or put on the practice squad? Does Dave Ziegler have a linebacker that he knows on his board is going to get let go because of money and compensation because a player, a younger player, beats him out in a camp? Can that linebacker play for the Raiders and start? I'm very interested in that topic. And how about the Raiders and what they're going to do at the right tackle position? Uh, Brandon Parker seems to be the swing. Jermaine Illuminor at one of those positions there. Or Thayer Mumford. I think Illuminor wants it desperately because he's very proud. So is Thayer Mumford. Mumford. Mumford's a younger player. But how about if we saw a scenario where Mumford started at right tackle and Illuminor went to right guard over Alex Bars? I don't think Illuminor would like that because he wants to start at right tackle. There's more money at that position. It's an important position. But those are some of the storylines we're going to be looking back when we get this going. So here's what my day looked like. I did 9 a.m. to noon on Mad Dog. I got noon to 2 here. We're at 118. I'm meeting with the Black Hole at 2 o'clock. I have a Raiders meeting at 3 o'clock. And I'm co-hosting a golf podcast at 4 o'clock. So... I don't need a break, but I think I should take one because this is insane today. We release the all-time Raiders team. When we come back, we'll get into what I think is the biggest topic in sports. It is by far the biggest topic in sports. The Baltimore Orioles shame their broadcaster, Kevin Brown, and all of broadcasters around sports are coming to his defense. I'll tie this into the Raiders when we come back. It's an important topic. We'll get into it next, and we have some pretty good sound bites to play along with it. Sincerity, selflessness, perseverance. Only a few of the qualities that made up the man, David Hom. Consistency, friend, in every sense of the word, courageous. These are the thoughts that that, that come to mind when I think of David Hull. 
He was so darn funny. I mean, he would keep things light, even things, even when things weren't looking so bright. He got along with everybody. Once you knew him, you loved him. You know, he was that kind of person. I mean, when you think about Jim Plunkett, Rich Gannon, Daryl LaMonica, Ken Stabler, uh, the history of the Raiders, fantastic. As we wrap up the quarterback position, JT, back with you on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Keep it here. To our in-depth team coverage of training camp, I think morning tailgate, uh, Vinny, uh, Lindsey Clay, what Q is doing on his show every day. We're doing our best. We're out at practice. Uh, some people are at practice more than others. We're trying to get everybody on the radio. Harry Ruiz, uh, the work that he's doing here, and then everyone on television and the guests that we have. It's nice to have a flagship station. Different times now. We're in Las Vegas. We're not in Napa anymore at training camp. We're in Vegas under a new regime that's trying to turn this thing around in a beautiful facility and a great stadium. And again, for the Raider fans that are going to the game, I don't know what to tell you here, man. I've been living out here since 96, and I know heat. It's going to be pretty hot, so if you're going out to the tailgate, you know, I don't know if you want to tailgate inside or outside. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to tailgate. I always go through the J-Lot and the black hole, and you sit out there and you see everybody there. It's a lot of fun, but it's going to be hot, so be smart with your tarps, how you're going to stay cool, what you're going to do. Keep an eye and your head on the swivel for everybody else. And I think people are going to be amazed at what's going on over there at that spot with the new construction, the in and out. If you're getting off at Russell Road, if you're coming in from Henderson on the 15, if you're coming and walking over the flyway on Hacienda, I don't know how hot it's going to be at game day, but pretty hot. If you got kids with you, be careful about that. And then if you have a parking pass, where you're going to park and all that. So we got one game. Kind of a dress rehearsal. I remember when the Raiders first moved here and played their first ever preseason game, it was a rehearsal. How to get there, what traffic routes to take. Now everybody seems to be pretty comfortable. And hope to see you out there at the torch and after the game, and it should be a fun weekend with the Raiders alumni in town. Okay, this is a really big topic that I wanted to get into. You probably heard by now, but a Baltimore Orioles broadcaster by the name of Kevin Brown who's been with the team since 2019. So he's a young broadcaster. Uh, He went on the Orioles home broadcast on television on Masson. And all he did was talk about the fact that the Orioles recently struggled against uh, the Tampa Bay team. Okay, they struggled really hard against the Rays uh, in the last 15 series, which every Oriole fan knows that because the Orioles have sucked for the past couple of years and now they're in first place. And they're finally good and they're playing the Rays. So here's the Orioles broadcaster who was suspended and missed the last couple of games for saying this. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined, it is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. Okay, so that was a recorded segment before the game 
which was coinciding with the truck where the director and everybody had a graphic. So everybody on the broadcast had no problem with this. But the owner, John Angelos, his father, which is on the team, Peter Angelos, he's incapacitated. He's not in good health. So John Angelos, the owner, suspended the broadcaster for saying what? All he did was go back in history and say how the team struggled against the Tampa Bay Rays. Who's, the Tampa Bay Rays have always been a bad organization, very cheap until recently. They were never any good. It was always the Yankees and the Red Sox. Come on, the Jeter dynasty and the big poppy years hasn't been about the Orioles or the Rays. So my opinion is the owner heard that and the owner said, why the hell is he talking about the fact that we haven't been able to win in this building, in this dump in Tampa when no one really goes to the game? And the owner made a calculated mistake as he suspended the broadcaster. And then there was a firestorm because all baseball broadcasters last night, male and female, came to the defense of Kevin Brown because he didn't do anything wrong. And that was a huge deal. So I did about three hours on this topic earlier today. The phones were incredible on this because this is the difference between local radio or local TV and national TV, something that I'm very familiar with. Listen to the reaction last night around Major League Baseball. First, this is John Sterling and Susan Waldman on arguably the biggest sports talk station of all time, WFAN in New York. These are the radio voices of the Yankees. Now, I've been on the air 63 years, so I've seen a million nutty things happen in this nutty business. But this is right up there with the nuttiest. When you hear it, I think you'll understand it. It has to do with an announcer named Kevin Brown of Baltimore. Anyway, Kevin Brown in a game was extolling the virtues of the new Orioles talking about what had happened in the past and the owner of the Orioles a guy named John Angelos decided that was negative and he suspended him it's 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 amazing to me how can you do your job if you can't tell the truth but he didn't even say anything negative he was extolling how good they are because look what they've done this year and in the past they didn't do it so I don't understand it I when I saw the clip I was waiting for him to say something horrible and it was it was not and it's just Here's Benintendi, and the pitchers. I've never heard of that in my life. We, if that guy was our boss, we'd get fired every day. I mean, we comment that the Yankees have terrible batting averages, and they have terrible on-base percentage. And they can't That's run. The truth. That's the truth. How could you? Anyway, every day that would be a problem for us, bitch. Benintendi fouls at third base side out of play. Well, you know, I don't understand because you can't come from the uh, Yankees are down 10 to nothing, but isn't it a beautiful day kind of kind of announcing. That doesn't go in places. doesn't go in New York. doesn't go anywhere. Oh, it doesn't go anywhere. But in, fans are fans everywhere. But in this case, he wasn't even doing that. No, How is that negative? He was saying something good. He was building them up. Now, I'm not thrilled by that Yankee broadcast team, wink, wink, for a long time. But Susie and John Sterling made some of the best commentary they've ever made. They said, what happens? You know, the Yankees stink this year. The Yankees are in last place. Imagine if John Sterling every day, he said, he admits they'd be fired because they keep talking about their poor batting average and their poor on-base percentage, but Hal Steinbrenner isn't going to fire them. Sterling's been doing this over 60 years. You have to be critical when you're local. More reaction around Major League Baseball last night. One of the best, Gary Cohen on SNY, this is the voice of the New York Mets coming to defense of a suspended Baltimore Orioles broadcaster. Well, we were just in Baltimore watching a resurgent Orioles team 
that has really gotten the attention of the fans there. They're a young team. They're fun to watch. They're in first place in the American League East. They are just having a great season. And in the midst of that today, the Baltimore Orioles organization draped itself in utter humiliation with their treatment of one of their young broadcasters, a guy named Kevin Brown, who is one of the great young talents in broadcasting in this game. That's line to center field, and Bellinger makes the catch one out. During a recent game at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Kevin, during his opening, talked about how the Orioles had had trouble winning in the past at Tropicana Field, but that they were doing better this year. That was really all he said. And for that, the Baltimore Orioles management decided to suspend Kevin Brown. Let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. It's a horrendous decision by the Orioles. I don't know what they were thinking, but they've gotten exactly the reaction that they deserve. And it's just a shame because the Orioles are playing so well, and now they've diverted attention from that. All right, so that's just some of the reaction. So what I like to do on my shows is take the topic and move it forward. And this is a very important topic for me because I've been lucky to do a national show my entire career. And as you know, I usually do a local show too. I like doing both. On this show, uh, I, I, I talk about topics that I don't talk about on national radio. I spend most of the time talking about the Raiders. And there are days I much rather talk about national radio like a topic like this. It's preseason football. It really doesn't move the needle much for me. But we have a radio station tied with an NFL team, so I know what to do. But when it comes to that topic, it hits home for me on being on KMBR 1050, 95-7 the game, and the Raiders' flagship. When I'm doing a local show tied with the Raiders, we can be very critical. We were tremendously critical last year, but respectful. That's the only point I want to make. you got to be respectful when you work for a team. And that gentleman, Kevin Brown, was very respectful about the Orioles. He wasn't mocking them. He wasn't laughing at them. He wasn't smirking saying, man, the team that I broadcast really, really is bad, but they're now playing well. He just told everybody what was happening in the series between the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Orioles. Tampa Bay is a tough out for the Orioles. They usually lose, but now they're starting to win. And he got suspended for that. That would be like being on the Raiders broadcast or on the Golden Knights. Let's use the Golden Knights with Dan Duva. Can you imagine if Dan Duva got suspended by the Golden Knights? because the Golden Knights were playing poorly and he pointed it out? You imagine if uh, the Golden Knights could not win a game, say, in Pittsburgh or they couldn't win in Colorado, and Dan Duva opened up the broadcast and said, you know, this team hasn't won. This team's lost their last six games in this building, but tonight they have a chance to win. They wouldn't suspend Dan Duva. Bill Foley wouldn't do that. Mark Davis wouldn't do that to Jason Horowitz. You wouldn't do that. So what I want to throw out to you is, and I think it's a fair topic. When you listen to this station, you probably want to hear more criticism than you get. You probably want some of your favorite radio hosts certain days to lose their mind and go after the coach and go after the owner. It's not going to happen. We're partners with the team. We're there for the team to win, but we give you all the news. If someone's playing poorly, how many times last year did we tell you how bad this defense was? How many times did I tell you that this team can't guard Kelsey? How many times have we said that, you know, Kansas City is the elephant in the room that the Raiders have to beat? 
So can you imagine with the Kansas City Chiefs coming into Allegiant Stadium, if Jason Horowitz or a broadcaster said, you know, the Raiders have lost every time Kansas City's come to Las Vegas. Is that a fireable offense? No. That's just setting the tone for hoping that the Raiders win this game. So what I wanted to ask you today for the remainder of the show until the top of the hour when Q comes on, because there's a lot of people who are listening outside of Las Vegas. Most of our audience is outside of Las Vegas. What do you expect from your local broadcasters? And I'm talking about the, the men and women who call the game. I'm not talking about the sports talk host. But would you like to hear more criticism during the broadcast? Or would you like to hear less? And this is just at a local level. As I explained earlier today, one of the most successful broadcasters in the last 30 years is Joe Buck. He's also probably the most polarizing and hated. I've met Joe Buck a number of times. He's a nice guy. You probably have never met him. He's a good guy, and some people hate him because his dad was the broadcast voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Joe Buck got a start in St. Louis. So anytime someone played the St. Louis Rams or the Cardinals in baseball, Cub fans would say, I don't want Joe Buck on the Cubs game. He hates the Cubs. No, he didn't. I'll give you another example, Tony Romo. Tony Romo's probably the most impactful broadcaster in the last five years, new. When he came on the scene, everybody was so blown away by Romo because he was so bleeping good year one. Year one, he started calling the plays as the quarterback broke the huddle. He started saying, well, they're going to run this gym. They're going to do this gym, and they did. And everybody was like, oh, my God, I'm not used to this. How did he do this? And now last year, Tony Romo wasn't as unique as he was year one and two. And fans started to say that Tony Romo didn't care as much about his job. He cares more about golf. He's not as good as he was year one. And that wasn't fair because that's just your opinion. But he's pretty good. He's the highest paid analyst in all of CBS. Let me repeat that. Tony Romo is the highest paid analyst at the CBS Broadcasting Network because he's good. So Tom Brady's got a big decision to make when he comes in and broadcasts for Fox. I don't think he needs to. I know he wants to be part owner of the Raiders. He bought part of a soccer team. But what do you want to do with Tom Brady? Tom Brady has nothing to gain because the only reason why Tom Brady would be any good as a broadcaster is that Tom Brady is going to have to be critical of other quarterbacks. Now, Tom Brady's not going to work for a local team, right? In the NFL, we don't have local broadcast. In the preseason, we do. So coming up here this Sunday, we have a local television broadcast and a local radio broadcast. Those broadcasts are Raider-friendly. You got Rich Gannon and Matt Millen in the booth. You have Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy in the booth. They're not there to be negative on the Raiders. Critical, yes. But they're not going to go out of their way to rip the team where they get paid for. And all those guys I mentioned, Gannon Millen, Eric Allen, and Lincoln Kennedy are all really good. I mean, they're not, they're really good. And they know where the local line is. So I asked this to Raider Nation, but they're fans from other teams listening. Would you like to hear your local broadcasters be more, quote, honest and critical? Or do you understand the rules of local broadcast compared to national broadcast? And maybe you can give me an example of your local baseball team. You know, not many people were critical of Bob Euchre, Vin Scully. You go around the league in baseball. John Sterling's been doing it for 63 years. You're supposed to like your hometown broadcasters. 
When you listen to Jason Horowitz on the call, you're supposed to know that he's new. He's a likable guy. He's very good at what he does. And he doesn't want the Raiders to lose because it's his job. But how critical do you want your baseball voices to be? Because the difference in football compared to baseball is interesting. In football, you call the play. Okay? Jimmy Garoppolo breaks the huddle, two receivers to the right, tight end to the left, handoff up the middle, gain of three. Then the clock's running. And then there's going to be another play automatically. In baseball, there's a foul ball. Foul ball down the line. Got to get a new baseball. Throw it in. Now we have a pitch clock. Baseball announcers have to speak more when they really don't want to speak because the game goes long. There's foul balls. They change pitchers. They do a lot of different things. And this baseball voice of the Orioles, he, this is such an injustice in sports. It's one of the biggest broadcasting topics that I've seen in quite some time. So I'm going to ask you specifically baseball-oriented because football's too close to home. The Raiders don't do a national broadcast on television for football. The national broadcast is on Fox, NBC, or CBS. But when it comes to your baseball voice, is he critical enough when your team is playing poorly? Is he likable or she? Would you like to hear more criticism, or do you understand that it's the hometown call, and in baseball it's a little bit lighter? This is a monster topic today because this young man who did a hell of a job so far early in his career for the Baltimore Orioles, Kevin Brown. This is going to be the best day that ever happened to him. He's going to make money. More and more teams want to hire him now. More and more teams hate the Orioles for doing this to him. And I think he's going to come out. You know, some people say, you know, any publicity is good publicity. I never believe that. I don't want, I don't want negative publicity. I don't want anything bad to happen to me, my wife and my kids or something negative that I do at work. But some people agree with the opposite because of social media and clickbait, that bad press. Skip Bayless is the king of that. Skip Bayless is the most hated broadcaster by far in all of broadcasting. But Skip isn't a broadcaster. He's an actor. Everything he does is mostly fake to trigger fans to click on things so he can make more money. I don't consider him a broadcaster. I consider Kevin Brown of the Orioles a really good one. And he was humiliated by his ownership group over the last couple of days. And thank God this story broke from someone who was barely paying attention. 702-365-9200. When we come back, if you have an example or two of your baseball team and how hard they're going or not going, like to hear that before we wrap up the show. We got big shows the rest of the week as the Niners are in town. And we have a brand new partner or two to welcome here as partners of Raider Nation Radio. So the next couple of days are going to be exciting over at the facility as the Niners are in town to take on the Raiders Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. By the way, we mentioned that the Baltimore Orioles are off tonight. There's a story that the Orioles have suspended their outstanding television play-by-play man, Kevin Brown, indefinitely for going on the air and talking about how tough a time the Orioles had had winning down at Tropicana Field over the years. And somebody in the front office for the Orioles didn't like that. 
So they suspended the announcer. It was ridiculous. He's stating the facts. I mean, they haven't won there, and they got a great team, and hopefully they break it. Somebody didn't like the facts very much, and that's a fiasco that that's allowed to happen. And I think every announcer in the league feels the same way. Every broadcaster in your position and in mine, you thought that was an absolute joke. I thought it was a joke initially when I read it. Yeah. Well, I thought he said something really bad. No, he did not. <laughs> well, depending on who's listening in the front office of the Baltimore Orioles. But that's a joke, and I hope he's reinstated immediately. When somebody comes to their senses in the front office of the Orioles. All right, so that's the Red Sox call on that topic. JT, back with you. That's Dave O'Brien and Kevin Euclid, uh, one of the many broadcast teams that had an opinion on what was happening with that Orioles story, which is all over Sports Center, leading story in all of national media today. As we are brought to you by our great friends, Meet Up Vegas, meetupvegas.com. The code is JT Brick. All the variety packs, all the meat. Uh, we had a big barbecue for the fight, the UFC fight, and my wife and I cooked up a whole bunch of steaks. I'm talking double digits for my son and his friends. All came fresh from Meetup Vegas. Go to meetupvegas.com. Uh, the code is JT Brick in the checkout, and you'll get the same deal I get. And I love the deal I get from Meetup Vegas. I wouldn't be recommending it on the radio if I didn't think it was the perfect fit, especially if you grill out year round. Uh, quickly, one more broadcast team. This, I think this is incredible sound of broadcasters coming together last night. Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees on television, also has a successful sports talk show in New York every day on ESPN. Here's what he said as he was on the broadcast last night when this Orioles story broke. They should be ashamed of themselves because not only was what Kevin said in the Oriole notes that night, but it was on a graphic which means that it was planned. So if you're going to be so thin-skinned to suspend Kevin Brown, then you have to suspend the entire Oriole truck, the producer, director, graphics. You have to suspend all of them because they're all complicit in this. And if John Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, didn't like that, then he's thin-skinned, he's unreasonable, and he should actually get a call from Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, because it's unconscionable that you would actually suspend a really good broadcaster for no reason whatsoever. He didn't do anything wrong. And you know that music that starts playing in the cut that you played, Peter? That yeah. means a graphic has come up. So the graphic had already been printed out, and you said this earlier. This is not how it works. Kevin Brown doesn't say it, and somebody who's running graphics in the truck could put together a graphic in two seconds. That's that's put together an hour before that happens. And you're going to suspend this guy for saying that, which wasn't even negative. Again, then everybody in the Oriole PR department has to be suspended. It was in their notes. That very thing was in their notes. This makes the Orioles look so small and insignificant and minor league. And, of course, they don't comment on personnel matters. And they didn't say they fired the guy. They suspended him. But can you imagine how that guy must feel? He has to keep his mouth shut. He can't criticize the Orioles because they don't get fired. So, of course, we look forward to Kevin coming back. But you embarrassed the guy for no reason. And, most importantly, you embarrassed yourself. What you did is disgraceful to the business. Disgraceful. Fans of teams should be lucky when their announcers are allowed to be critical. And that wasn't even critical, Peter. I believe that that was complimentary of the Orioles. It's so crazy. It's such a small look. Ah, oh, small man. 
Yeah, that's Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees. There's not many guys who can say they're the voice of the Yankees, the most famous team in North American sports history, then go on the radio and speak like that. So just wanted to put that in perspective for everybody when you're thinking about going forward, what your local broadcaster should be doing. Because I think the owners and the, the presidents of the team, not the general manager, the head coach, or the manager in baseball, they don't have the right to fire a broadcaster, but the owner does. And if the owner has told the broadcaster, look, I don't want to hear about this. We don't want this topic out there. Then you got to know, even if you don't like it, that you can't do it because the owner's the boss. He writes the checks. He did the television deal. He did the radio deal. He's the buck. When they say the buck stops here, it's with the owner. But the owner from the Orioles uh, was a massive miscalculation because the broadcaster, Kevin Brown, did everything right. And I think he's going to make a lot of money because of this. Some, some people have hiccups in their career, and you ne- they're never heard from again. This guy is going to be famous because this happened. Uh, two big NFL stories that I want to get to quickly. First, Jonathan Taylor. It looks like his time with the Colts are going to come to an end. He left the Colts training camp to rehab on his own. You know Josh Jacobs is going to have to play on the franchise tag. They can't negotiate anymore. You know, the Saquon Barkley deal to come back in is one thing, but Josh Jacobs is probably playing on the franchise tag, and he has the ability to stay away. Jonathan Taylor's under contract, and his contract isn't up yet. So he's in a standoff with the Colts for lack of a conversation with this contract extension. He wasn't at practice today. That is getting ugly. If someone wants to make a trade with the Colts, for one of the best running backs in football, I think they're open for business. I don't think they're going to be able to patch this up. Because Jim Irsay, I don't think, wants to pay him. And he's really upset about it. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Our Raiders all-time team, the quarterbacks, is out there at JT the Brick on Twitter. Take a look at that. Q is coming up next. He has a big show. He was there in front of the coaches like he is every day in the players. And he'll have a lot lined up. He has the Niners are coming to town to play on Sunday against the Raiders. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back here, and we'll do it again tomorrow. The best way to start your football morning is with a tailgate. And on Raider Nation Radio, we've got you covered every weekday morning from 7 to 10 with the morning tailgate with Clay Baker. And just like a parking lot tailgate party, you never know who will stop by. Listen in the morning on Raider Nation Radio 920.